everyone to episode 49 of the shark bites podcast a throwdown thursday production i'm your host patrick grayhall but you can call me patsy the angry nerd and i am here with uh, a very special guest a gentleman who was with us since the inception of <laughs> this podcast uh, you might remember him from close encounters of the nerd kind episode one of shark bites uh ladies and gentlemen please welcome back to the show Saturn Award winner, Paul Salamoff. Paul, great to have you back. Hey, great to be back. I really appreciate your, you know, your continued support. And um, hey, you you had it you had it right with Encounter. So uh, hopefully this will have that same magic. And uh... oh yeah, yeah, because you've got some new stuff to promote, and uh, you know we're going to talk about that because I'm very excited. And folks at home can't see this, but I can. Uh, I just see just a shelf full of trophies behind you over your uh, left shoulder. <laughs> um that's always awesome uh tell folks a little bit about your uh your saturn award sure 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 well um yeah so my film encounter uh with luke hemsworth um we wound up winning uh best independent film uh the saturn award uh 46th annual saturn award for best independent film which was really amazing which is just i mean for my first feature as a as a director is pretty amazing and it's really opened a lot of doors for me and uh, got a lot of other projects going and uh, just I've always loved the Saturn Awards and I can't believe I have one on my shelf. So especially yeah, for a movie I care so much about. It's And again, if you haven't seen Encounter, we'll put links for where you can purchase it, where you can watch it. Um, it's phenomenal. It takes a lot of uh, sci-fi tropes, kind of turns them on their head. Really... Uh, I hate using this term because it's there's generally a negative connotation to it. Thank you, Ryan Johnson, but it subverts your expectations. <laughs> thank you. Yes, <laughs> I wear that as a uh, uh, badge of pride. So uh, thank you for saying so. Yes, in, the, in yes. a good way. Yeah, no, it's definitely good, and I liked it a lot. I own the Blu-ray myself, so uh, you know, like I always say, you know, you got to support the art that you love. And, you know, give your money to those projects, and that's how you get more projects. And speaking of more projects, that's what we're here to talk about today. We have a couple, uh, but there's one that I want to concentrate uh, on more because I was uh, lucky enough that, you know, we have this connection that you were able to send me uh, an advanced reader's copy, essentially, for uh, your upcoming book that you wrote with Oren Nichols, uh, Silent Planet, uh, The Silent Planet, sorry. The Silent Planet. Um, so the first question I have about this is, um, I've never tried to do this because I don't know if I'd be able to, but what was it like working on a novel with another person? Um, you know, I I'm very lucky with Oren. He, he could, it could not be a better partnership um with another writer to work with um because it's sort of like you know like he completes me kind of things like the, the things that I, I have the, the strengths at um you know are things that he is a little weaker on and vice versa so 
it's been this really wonderful experience. And what's amazing with uh, Oren is that he has um, done a lot of ghostwriting over the years uh, as, as well. So it really feels like one unified, um, you know, voice that has written this, this book. Like I, I when I, you know, cause we would pass it back and forth to each other and, and, and so forth. And I had written like the original, you know, first um, draft of the, of the book. Cause I was trying to, um, uh, you know, I'd written short stories and very been successful with that, but I'd never tried a novel. So this is my official, you know, first novel. And um, so I had tried my, uh, you know, my best with the first pass on it. And, uh, you know, knowing that I had somebody like Oren uh, working with me, it, it was just great. So we would just sort of pass it back and forth. And uh, it just, it, it could not have been a better experience. And, and I think, you know, the proof's in the pudding where I, I really could not be more proud. Oren and I both could not be more proud of uh, how the book turned out. Yeah. And, you know, from what I've read so far, because, you know, as I always do uh, with with authors that I ha I have on the show, I haven't completed the book because, again, I don't want to ever accidentally give away a major plot point that spoils anything. <laughs> you and I talked a little bit about this off air. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we also talked about a couple of the theories and thoughts that I had, and I'm way off, um, <laughs> which is good. Um, because again, you know, you don't want to go into something being able to expect it. Like my wife hates when we're watching a movie and like something will happen and I'll be like, I'll, I'll say the next line of dialogue because it's yeah. so, <laughs> it's obvious. so obvious and it's like, oh, he's going to say, yeah. oh, but that's not how I am. And then the guy yeah. on the TV is like, that's not how I am. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh. she's like will you cut this shit? I'm like, yeah, 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 it's yeah. basic story structure. Like they're dumbing it down like it's for a kid. That's not what this is. Now, as we have discussed in the past, you are a massive sci-fi nerd. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and you could see that in Encounter. You could see a lot of different uh, influences and, you know, for lack of a better term, homages to different things. Yeah. Um, whether it's a character name or, or, uh, you know, a, the way someone carries themselves, like you can see that influence. And I think that's the, the best tribute, you know, it's basically your art is a love letter to all the things that you enjoy. Yeah. So when you were coming up with these characters and coming up with this story, what were some of the things that maybe, you know, trigger the triggered the 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 thought process or maybe something that you watched or listened to while you were you know putting this all together well here's the thing and and i, I love this question because it, it is it is true you know what i mean i have been a fan of science fiction since i i saw star wars in its original release in uh you know in 77 when i was five years old so i know i'm dating myself here but um you know big doctor who fan big um you know, it's obviously Star Wars and Star Trek and Blade Runner and, and all over the place, right? Um, and these things have have influenced me and influenced me as a as a writer over the years. Um, but I do like to feel like I have my you know own voice as as well. Um, but um, the, the definitely the big influences on um, on the Silent Planet. And I always tell people that it's sort of like, I guess Jurassic Park meets Solaris would be a good way to sort of like you know, um, you know, sort of describe it. But I was really, it was more of an idea of, of playing with themes 
that I enjoy and themes that I love and wanted to explore. And the, and the major themes of the silent planet are, you know, there are things beyond human comprehension. That's like the, the main theme. And also that because of human hubris and how we tend to believe that we can understand everything, we can get ourselves into trouble. And also the idea of how we tend to anthropomorphize things, like give things human attributes that don't have them. Like, you know, the best example is like your cat or your dog. You, you think you might think you know what they're thinking, but, you know, they might want to kill you and they're just waiting for the right, you know, the right moment. What do you know? So the idea that this takes place on a planet that that seems to be beyond human comprehension, um, I thought was very interesting. What if you were in an environment in a world where you just didn't understand anything? And what if you put the wrong people in that environment? I mean, that that was sort of like the the genesis. But as far as like based on like science fiction stuff, I love. I mean, like I said, Solaris is 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 my favorite book. I'm a big Stanislaw Lem fan. And he all, he wrote another book uh, called Eden that um, was um, a bit of an influence on this. And also um, Wayne Barlow, uh, the artist Wayne Barlow has um, um, this book uh, that takes place on this planet called Darwin four, I think it's Darwin four. Or, or, um, and it, it was called uh, Ex Expedition. And it's sort of like a, art book and that was a big influence on on the silent planet as well it's just like what if you had all these creatures that really are not easily understood you know what i mean it's not like and, and that's one of the main things in in the story is that there's been a survey team on they're not the main characters but there's a survey team that's been on this planet vega prime that's been trying to understand the planet for years and they're not getting anywhere with it I mean, that's so that that's really but once again, I'm also trying to subvert expectations, you know, with the genre. I'm not just laying something out there. I'm really sort of using your expectations against you sometimes, which is what right. you know, I love to do in my stories. Well, it's almost like, you know, <clears throat> you can use these things as an inspiration, but it's almost like, OK, I can start the story off this way and people will be like okay there's a beat that i noticed from this that i know from this because you know, like you and i talked about off air a little bit yeah. knowing what you like and knowing that you are a big sci-fi nerd knowing some of the tropes of sci-fi when you're writing your story you can be like okay how do i avoid doing this how can i avoid being predictable how can i you know this is how the stuff that i love this is how they were they did it let me do it differently you know, and even that can be sort of, again, like that love letter to the genre. Like you're, you're still, you're, you're finding your own voice and you're doing your own thing. It's almost like, you know, you're standing on the shoulders of giants to help achieve what you want. Cause it's like, okay, this has been done and I love it. Everybody loves it. But like, I don't want to remake star Wars. I don't want to remake the wrath of Khan. I don't want to yeah. remake search for Spock, you know? Yeah, I want to do something different. Yes. What do I want to do? Yeah, and and here's the thing um, with the Silent Planet is and I'm, exactly. I mean, exactly. I want to have. I want to tell a new and different story, and I want it to go in places you're not expecting, and but also to be characters that you care about and are emotionally involved involved with. And Silent Planet is a very emotional, you know, story. It's it's funny. I was you know every time Oren and I would go through the manuscript, and you know I. You know, we read it and make sure everything, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. I was amazed 
at how emotional I would get at certain points in the story. And, and it's not, and I, please don't take this like an ego thing. You're like, oh, look how great a writer I am. It's just like, it's a very emotional story dealing with very um, complex characters that have their own lives. I mean, I, I, I teach screenwriting and writing comic books and graphic novels at New York um, Film Academy. And, you know, one of the things I, I talk to you know, my students about is when you come up with ideas, look at look at it from different perspectives. Like what think about how different your story would be if this character was your main character or if this character was your main character. It's a, a lot of ways to, you know, unique, unique ways into it. And so, you know, on a when you have this adventure story on this planet with like things and creatures beyond you know, human comprehension. Okay, will you put like a elite military team in there? Well, they're going to act a certain way. You know, you're going to get aliens out of it, right? Or you right. put like scientists that can, you know, a little better at figuring shit out. They're going to be able to navigate the land. But I've put a dysfunctional, you know, group of people who are basically their job is just to just drop off supplies on the planet and they've never stepped off their ship before. And they're basically, I mean, the, the premise, um, you know, without giving, it's not spoilers or anything like that. Um, the survey team that's been um, trying to gather information, science team that's been there for years trying to understand this planet. So a corporation can then strip mine it. Um, they just don't know where to build their facilities. Um, you know, they're, they've been without incident for years. And you have this supply ship, the crew of the Magellan, that just comes every couple of months and drops off supplies. But they come, they show up, and there's no word from the, the survey team. And they're basically told by the corporation, well, go see what's going on. They just think it's maybe a... Because there's been no indication that this planet is hostile at all. So they have to step off their ship, which they are completely unprepared to do search and rescue. They're, you know they step into a potentially non-hostile environment. And because, like I said, of human hubris or how we tend to react to things, they, they create it to be very hostile <laughs> um, because they don't, they really are not prepared for this. Right. And they're, they're not scientists. I mean, the closest you have yeah. might be Takashi. Yeah. But, you know, or Mac, you know, yeah. uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's definitely something, you know, like as I'm reading it, like some of the characters I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, like Brett from Alien, you know, mm -hmm. interesting. You know, okay. Because, I mean, that's I mean, and that's another you're probably talking about situation. Oliver, right? Yeah, you're probably talking yeah. about Oliver. But see, <clears throat> yeah. I think the thing that's going to surprise you and this is what surprised, um, you know, some um, even Oren when he read, read you know, the, the first draft is that there are characters at the beginning there's one that you're going to probably be very dismissive of and you're going to wind up loving her by the end of the story. And there's another one who you think is, Oh, this is the bad guy. And he winds up just because he's, you know, you're going to have certain feelings about him. And by the end of the story, you're going to really care about him and his journey. And, and it's, they, they go through, there's, there's some really wonderful arcs that these characters go through and you really learn, you might not agree with them, you might not like them as individuals, but you'll at least understand why they are like they are and you might have some compassion for them. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some of that that I've, that I've noticed in, in this so far where it's like, you know, you, you've got people set up, but 
once people are put in a situation that they're not sure how they're going to react, their true selves come out. And it's like, well, this guy does this and that guy does that. And she does this and this is his job. But it's like, is that who they are? Like, that's their role on the ship. But is that Mm -hmm. who they are? So when you get to see them in their, you know, truly stressed out, you know, uh, frantic, you know, life endangered moments, that's when uh, you get to see who these characters are and they can take, you know, their training and their what they've done on the ship and their interpersonal relationships and really, you know, shine and turn into who they are supposed to be and i think that's where a lot of the uh you know the emotionality comes into it because when you're writing a character if you this is something that you've been working on for a long time like you know i've written you know flash fiction and two sentence stories where i don't care about the characters because there's not enough time to build them up but when you've spent this much time you know like you grow attached to the characters and you know from many writers that i've spoken to and you know myself included when you you know, when you're writing a character, there's a little bit of you in that person, whether it's your good side, your bad side, you know, your faults, your flaws, you know, your your strengths. It doesn't matter. There's a little bit of you. So, you know, if you have to, you know, give somebody a heroic sacrifice or something tragic happens to one of the, the characters that, you know, like this truly innocent character and something happens to them and you're just like, Oh, that sucks. I'm so sorry I had to do that to you, but like I needed to do it to, you know, push the narrative along. You know, like so I get it. Yeah, because these characters are alive to me. I care about each Mm -hmm. and every one of them. And I understand them, you know, on on a very um, you know, base level and a very but also a very um um I, I mean, intimate. They're, they're real to me. Yeah, intimate. They're they're real to me, and I care about them with all their flaws. And um, yeah, it it sucks sometimes when you kill characters. It's it really, there's actually uh, you know one of the deaths, and you know no spoilers, and I'm not going to tell you. That's that's really kind of just tragic. It's so tragic, but it's so it makes so sense. It makes such sense when you understand the character why they they you know succumb to this and, and it's not and it's and it's and it's sad you know it's very sad and it's very like um you don't really see it coming either and uh but it's almost like they're fated for this <laughs> because of who yeah. they are yeah i mean and, and, there and there are times when you know the authors are aware of what's going on like i don't know how familiar you are with stephen king's dark tower series but there's a part <laughs> There's a part towards the end of the journey where it's like, basically, he's like, yeah, just so you like, it's almost like an aside from the narrative. Like he just stuck a note into the book, like, just so you know, you're really not going to like this next part. I'm sorry I had to do this, but you'll understand why, you know, but like, it's almost like a parent punishing a child. Like, yeah, you'll get yeah. it when you're older. You'll understand why I had to ground you for a month. Like, yeah. and and I take and, no pleasure. And I take no pleasure. I'm not. Trust me. I'm not. I'm not being manipulative at all. To be manipulative at all, zero. You know what I mean? It's like I care about these characters as I hope you will care about these characters. And it breaks my heart when one of them, you know, dies. And it's, it's not like oh, they're gonna, not going to see this coming. It's like it's an inevitability. 
Do you know what I mean? And um, I, I feel the, I mean, I'm, I'm an empath. So like, I feel the emotions, like when I'm working on my screenplays and I'm working on, you know, my books or my short stories or whatever, I'm feeling the emotions as I'm writing these characters. Like they say, when they are alive to me, they're, they're alive. They're, they're, they're living, breathing They're And they're not, you know, even though, yes, they certainly they're coming from me. So clearly there's some kind of extension for me, but, but they're not, you know what I mean? Like in, 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 you know, they're their own things. I, I think of them as separate living things and not, you know, well, this is this version of me and this is this version of me. Cause I think it's really right. important to have, you know, these characters need to, to live beyond the realms of just the story you're seeing, you know, beyond that, that they, they have histories and one of the things I love and I, and I, like, once again, I try to talk to my students about this. I go, you'll know when your characters become alive. Like, I'm, I'm very encouraging of, like, do a vomit draft. You know what I mean? Like, do a vomit draft for your script. Just, just keep on writing. Even though you need to fix stuff, just keep on moving forward. I go, you will know when your characters really start coming alive to you. Because they'll start, they'll, the dialogue will come easily. And they'll, they'll resist you uh, if anything does not seem right to them, you know what I mean? And, and sometimes you might need to rethink your story because yeah, this character is not going to go down the, the basement so they can get an ax in their face because they would never do that. It's just not part of them. So you're going to have to either figure out another way to get them down those stairs, or you're going to have to just rethink your story from that point on. And maybe they live or maybe they get an ax in the face some in some other way. And that's the thing is at a certain point, you, your characters need to be alive and the story needs to, um, um, you know, be organic in its plotting that they're going to start dictating the story at a certain point. And you have to, sometimes you have to just strap in and go along with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I 100% agree because I've been writing stories. It's like, okay, this is what's going to happen next. And you start writing it and you've been writing for a while and you're like, all right, I just have to get from point A to point B because this is where things shift. And it's all of a sudden, like the character will say or do something. And you're like, Holy shit. Like I did not see that coming. It's like, you're the one writing it. It's like, yeah, but at yeah. The, at yeah. certain points you're not anymore. Yep. Like yep. when you're it's in the discovery. zone. Discovery. Yeah. yeah. When you're in yeah. the zone and I'm sure you've, you've experienced this. I've experienced this both writing and reading. After a while, once you're really into a story, you're in that zone, you're not seeing words anymore. You're watching the action unfold. Yeah, like absolutely. It, one thousand percent. One thousand percent. And and that's <laughs> yeah, and that's what I always talk about myself as a very organic writer. I mean, I've written a lot of screenplays at this point, and written a lot of like you know, stories, and it never ceases to amaze me that you know, at a certain point, the, the, the story and the characters just take complete control. And you've got to go along for the ride. Because I think as film viewers, and, you know, I'm a film lover. I mean, like, I just saw Creed 3 yesterday in IMAX, and it was oh, fantastic. It's fantastic. That that it's great. It, it's really great. It's fine, because I'm not into sports, but I love sports movies. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I love movies. And you know when you're watching a movie and it disappoints you, like when a character does a, a stupid thing that just seems so out of, you know, it just seems like they were forced to do it for the sake of the plot. And that's frustrating for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you oh, want to, yeah. like, and I don't, and I make sure I don't do that with my with my stories. I make sure I let, you know, the, the story dictate, like you're talking about in the zone. Like once that train has left the station, you need to take that train ride with them. And you're along for the ride as opposed to 
you know, you can nudge it. You know what I mean, yeah, you can nudge it, but at a certain point, they're going to dictate where the story is going to go. And yeah, and you know, yeah. yeah, that's just it's the best because like that's how you know. Because like when you're writing, you're like, ah, yeah, is this really what I want to do? Is this how I want to do this? Like, uh, but once you get to that point, like you're like, yep, it's it was all worthwhile. This is exactly what I was supposed to be doing. This is mm-hmm. exactly how this story is supposed to go. Okay, good, good. Yeah, yeah. And then that's the thing is that, and that's when you know that's when you really know it's working. You know what I mean? And and I think the nice thing, and and this is. It's always an interesting thing too. Is when you can walk away from your material, especially when you're, um, you know, doing your vomit draft or writing your, you know, your first couple of drafts. Because writing is rewriting. You always have to know yeah. that this stuff isn't etched in stone. And that's what's been so wonderful too about working with Oren. What he would bring, um, you know, to, you know, to the characters and, and to some of the situation was was really remarkable. Um, but um, I think I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Um, what was I, when what was I starting you were saying like when you're doing your vomit draft and your first draft and oh like, yeah 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 knowing yeah knowing that it's a um you know it's just you're getting it out there you know what I mean it's it's not like the end all be all version you're not etching the stuff in stone and allowing yourself some distance from your story so you can then when you relook at it it's a it's a little bit more apparent. I mean, you can't fall in love with what you're writing. You just can't. It's not. It, you should be in love with what you're writing, but you can't like to the detriment of your story. Like I think of yourself like I am so fucking clever, blah blah blah, and like this is staying. I mean, like you know the whole thing about kill your babies. It, it's it's important, and and what that means is not like kill your characters that you love. It's realizing what belongs in stories and what doesn't. And really understanding that and being able to, to walk away from your material for a little bit. I think one of the greatest things is sometimes when I've reread scripts I haven't, you know, that I wrote a while ago just to reassess them, it almost feels like, um, you know, I don't, you know, it's like, I, I can't. I wrote this. You know what I mean? It's like you don't even remember. I'm not. It's not like some, you know, like early, you know, onset, <laughs> you know, Alzheimer's or anything like that. It's just you know, it's, it's almost like you forget that this is your story. And that's the best, that's the best position you can be. Because if you Mm -hmm. can read something you wrote objectively, and you're not like in love with the words, and you don't remember the words you wrote, because the worst thing that can happen is it's so hard to catch, like, especially like spelling mistakes. It's because when you know it so well, and you read it again, you, you, it's almost impossible to catch them. Because you go right by it. Yeah, you go right by it because you already know. It's almost like, all right, all right, I know. But if you can walk away from it where it feels like you're reading somebody else's material, you can be a lot more objective about what is working and what isn't working. And and that's the great thing about writing is it's, you know, you can be very strategic about fixing things. You can say, well, I didn't set this up properly, so I need to find a place earlier in the story to set this up organically, you know, so this doesn't come out of nowhere. Or, you know, I, I, that's what I just love about writing. I, I just love, I just love that the fact that it, it, the rewrite process is actually my, more of my favorite, my favorite part of writing. It's actually getting the vomit draft out, whether it's the novel, short story, or comic book, or, or you know, screenplay. That to me is like, that's the most frustrating part because it's just like, all right, I just need to get this on the paper. It's almost like I need to like make the, the cookie dough before I can actually make the cookies. 
in, in the right. rewrites of making the cookies. You know what I mean? And then, you know, mm-hmm. doing all the icing and all the other stuff or on them. I guess I should use a cake analogy is better. That's the polish. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the really like honing it. So, um, but great. I love I talking about get it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Same. Like, you know, obviously we, you know, this is both something that we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to touch a little bit more on, you know, the creation. So, when you were creating this world, you know, we always talk about world building when we're when we're yeah. talking about, you know, whether it's a screenplay or, or whatever it is. In this case, you were literally building a, a planet. You know, you're creating this planet. Um, what kind of research did you go, you know, did you get into to really um, like, OK, I want to do something that's a, a real planet, you know, or a something that's theoretical like what kind of system is it in how many moons does it have you know like what what kind of thought process and research went into it you know like how big is this planet you know stuff like that like what what did you do and as a as a sci-fi nerd i know this is something that you went into well, actually, there you, there you're wrong, sir. What? <laughs> so here's the thing. This is why Oren is so fantastic to work with, is because um, he under he really under he comes from a technological background, um, and like computers and and all this stuff. So one of the things that he brought to this was making sure, technologically speaking, it was more sound. Um, and um, you know. Thank goodness for that, because for me, I'm more focused on the story. It, it's funny. Look, there are writers, um, such as screenwriters, who love to do research, and they'll do tons and tons of research before they even start the story, right? I'm the kind of guy who's like, you know, I know just enough to be dangerous and just <laughs> enough to know that at least it's not going to greatly affect the story if I find out that this thing is slightly off here. You know what I mean? Like, I'll do just enough research where I could focus, you know, I can write the story and focus on it. And then I can go in and then strategically or surgically just go in there and fix things that need to be fixed. And hopefully they don't screw up my story too much because I was so off with something. And I talked to my students about that. I'm like, look, you know, the idea of write what you know, there is something to be said for that. It's not like write what you know is not like, oh, everything has to be autobiographical or, or you know, like something that you've personally done. It's just that you know enough about it where you could tell a story and then, you know, clean up as needed. Because um, if you're going to go in there and, and you know, I've got students who are like going to write a, a story about like a news station or something like that. I'm like, all right, well, do you know how a news station works? Because I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I certainly don't. Um, I have a vague idea from movies I've seen. But if you really don't understand how it works, you better at least talk to somebody beforehand or do some research about it. So, you know, at least it's making some kind of sense um, that, you know, people aren't going to watch the movie and go, this is complete horseshit. So um, the funny thing is, I I just don't like doing research. I mean, I I just it's not something I enjoy. It's something that it's to me, it's it's um, a necessary evil. So I I tend to write stuff that I have as much knowledge as I can or talk to somebody beforehand just so I can get the story, at least the vomit draft out, or at least a good, you know, solid first draft out and then strategically go in there and hopefully I didn't, you know, work myself into a corner. So in regards to Silent Planet, it was just like, no, this was just sort of like, I I sort of came up with it in my head and... um, um, to me, it's more about the characters anyways. I mean, this this is about the characters. 
and um, um, you know, trying to think out of the box in regards to some of the creatures or the things that inhabit the planet. But no, I, I didn't do a lot, of, a lot of research for this. And thank God for Lauren, who knows a lot of this stuff. And, and he actually, um, we had to like really assess. I did a pretty good job on the spaceship, right? On, on the Magellan. Um, and, uh, but we had to really rethink it a little bit. And, uh, you know, one of the things actually worth mentioning is we're also simultaneously working on a graphic novel version of this. So I'm working with an artist simultaneously. So, you know, doing these designs. So what was really interesting is that he would, the artist would then go and take the descriptions from the book and design creatures from it. And then sometimes we'd have to tweak it um, and and sort of find this happy medium that worked both for the novel and works for the graphic novel. Um, and sometimes it was, no, you need to tweak your artwork. And sometimes it was like, no, we need to tweak the text in, in the book because it looks in, in the novel because it's actually, this is much better and more interesting. So I, but I always got to be on my artist where it's like, you got to think out of the box. You know what I mean? Like don't, you know, only bring so much, you know, biology that you understand because that's the whole point is they don't this stuff is not easy to understand it's almost like it, it like it's supposed to be beyond comprehension and 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 you know that's the thing but you know still something recognizable for someone reading the book to be able to comprehend so it was this really interesting balancing act especially with the the life forms and the you know the 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 vegetation which isn't really vegetation per se you know so you know, there's a lot of. Uh... <laughs> I like there's it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I just, you know, again, you know, that was that was my fault for just, you know, assuming that this. I mean, <laughs> you know for me, <laughs> for me, yeah, you know, because for me, like, I like this type of research. Like, I will like delve in. It's like, all right, I have this idea. How can I make this based on a real world analog? You know, mm -hmm. like, so I would you know, I would delve into like, you know, like something I'm working on now. And it's like, I had to learn a lot about non-Newtonian liquids. Like that sounds fun. <laughs> it really is though. And it's like, what can, what can I do with this information? Because it's like, I had an idea for this, but I can apply it here, 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 mm -hmm. and here now that I know this. So it's, a, it's a double-edged sword, it you is. know, but as long as when it comes to me and, you know, obviously I'm not, you know, everyone who's going to read this and everyone who's going to check out the, the graphic novel and go to see when it eventually becomes a film. Um, as long all I care about in your story, I am willing to suspend my disbelief for whatever you want to tell me. Stick to your rules. Yeah, that's, yeah, it. Exactly, that, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. That, you know, that's that's. Uh, yeah, that's, you have to, once you set up your world, and look, I'm known as a world builder, you know, as, as a writer. So, um, you know, a lot of thought, well, I just don't want you to think this was like arbitrary. Don't, don't get me wrong. No, 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 no. no. You know, a lot no, of no, thought no. Like, went into it, but it was, you know, I'm still thanking my lucky stars that I have someone like Oren who really understands a lot of the mechanics of, uh, of like flight and how a spaceship would work and how it would work in the, in, you know, in the atmosphere and, and what, what the environment of Vega Prime, which is where the story takes place, is, and, and so forth. So, 
that was that was fan you know fantastic because like I said I, I'm more focused on the the characters in the story, um, but yeah, yeah that's the thing it's like once you you once you need to establish the rules and you need to stick to them and that's something I'm always been very good at like um, with my storytelling it's something I pride myself on that where it's like you you need to there's stuff beyond the story there's stuff beyond what you're going to see on the screen or read on the page that you have to intrinsically understand. Like, that's the thing about like the characters too, is like, I know these characters, their bios, I know what makes them tick. And that's the thing is I always like try to bring with my students. It's like your characters, yeah, you might have a great handle on your main character or something like that, but you have to understand that all your supporting characters still live their own lives and they live beyond the context of your story that we're seeing. You know what I mean? They're not just there to service the main character. They, they're going to have their opinions, their needs and desires, and you have to treat them with as much care and love as you do your main character. And sometimes they're not going to do what you want them to do because they have their own, you know, they, they got their, their own things going. And, and, that's, and I think that's important. Those are setting the boundaries and the rules of your characters as well. Like, this is who they are, and I don't care how many times you tell this character to go downstairs to check out the, the boiler when the lights went out, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the breaker. Yeah, he's the not going down. You're not going down those stairs, you know what I mean? No, that's so, where the axe murderer is. Yeah, that's where the axe murderer is. So it, it's like, I love it, you know what I mean? Like, so yes. So, um, um, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess that kind of answers Yeah, I mean, the, the example <laughs> I always, always, always bring up, because it's something that everyone you know, or for the most part, people have seen is Ant-Man. It's like, all right, mm -hmm. well, what does the PIM technology do? Well, it shrinks you down because it, you know, eliminates the space between your atoms and, but you still maintain your same mass. Oh, so a 200 pound man can fly on an ant. Like, that's fine. Hmm. Like, don't, don't tell me that Michael Douglas can carry around a 60 ton tank in his pocket. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. you're, you're, does it look cool visually? Yup. Is it yeah. like, uh, is it is it really neat to see you know Ant Man run on the on the barrel of a gun and then punch a guy out with the force of a two hundred pound man? Totally, that's awesome. <laughs> looks looks great, yeah. but it a hundred percent goes against the rules that you yourself have set up. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, you have to be. That's it's so important to be to have that consistency and to and to really understand like world building is not. It's not window dressing. It's creating right. a society that actually works or makes sense. Um, I mean, we had a whole thing. We, we actually uh, jettisoned from the um, uh, from the book, but it was like a history of um, the corporation. Like, it just wasn't necessary to have. In the, and it was very, it's sort of written in a very Douglasy Adams way, which doesn't fit within the context of the story. Yeah, um, I could see but, how that would. Yeah. yeah, but but the thing is, it's, it's, um, I understand the corporation and they're barely in the story. They're just literally like a, a, enough to, just to tell them, um, you know, you need to do the search and rescue kind of thing. And, um, but I understand how this corporation works, like why they bought this planet. You know what I mean? What they're trying to get from this planet and why they're frustrated by the people who are, you know, the scientists who are working there. And so under, understand that, you know, there are things going on beyond the frame of, of your of your image that needs to be it, it needs to make logical sense. It needs to make yeah. logical sense. It's something I'm I'm very I feel I'm very good at as a writer. 
You know what I mean? It's it's you know. And again, I think that comes from the sci-fi background because it's you know there's so many fantastical elements to sci-fi. You know, like uh, Arthur C. Clarke said, you know, any sufficiently advanced technology would be indistinguishable from magic. Like yeah. that's something that like I I always like to incorporate into my stories. If I'm writing something that's you know fantastical, it's like chances are it's just way in the future to the point where everything is kind of regressed to the past where, you know, there was some sort of cataclysm, you know, it's like a planet of the apes type of thing, you know, like there was some sort of cataclysm, everything's changed and people don't understand. Or um, if you're familiar with the game, the uh, horizon games. um, No, I'm I'm familiar with it. I haven't played them. It's basically like, you know, there was this world ending catastrophe and like, like you have all these giant robot animals and like you're running around in Denver. Like you find the remains of like Denver stadium, like where the Broncos played. Like, so it's, but people live in like a hunter gatherer society. Well, and like the stuff that they see is like, Oh my God, that's, that's witchcraft. How dare you? And like, they've kind of turned it into a religion and it's basically like Bluetooth technology. Well, one of the funny things that I've done to, you know, like world building and so forth is this is some, and this is, look, this is, and it's worth mentioning here um, that as, as sort of an in joke to myself, a lot of my screenplays are actually take place in the same universe. And this actually takes place in the same universe as Encounter because the creature from Encounter is actually from this planet. And my graphic novel Discord actually takes place on Vega Minor and this takes place on Vega Prime. So it's like they're they're actually very there's connections between a lot of my a lot of my stories and screenplays that all actually take place in the same universe, but you don't realize it. <laughs> and that's I do that, the exact same thing. Honestly, yeah, that, I do the exact yeah. same thing. There's a lot of crossover. That, yeah, that Orin and I are working on right now is that because um, we, we've got a, we're going to be doing a lot of books, a lot of novels together, and this is just the first of, of many. Um, and that's one of the things that I was talking to him about. I'm like, look, I have I have things we can adapt. I have other stories that are actually part of the same universe as the Silent Plan. We should take advantage of that. You know what I mean? And um, and you know, con- you know, connect. So it's almost like you know, instead of having a series of books that connect via like one main character, it's actually a series of books that are connected by, um, you know, by the, by the world, you know, by the, the world mm-hmm. that's built around it. And, and they might cross over at, su- at certain points um, or be mentioned in certain points. So yeah, the, the, the creature from encounter is actually from this planet. See, that's right. really cool. Like that's, that's a, that's a nice piece. See, this is why we do these interviews. No, I mean, like there's, you know, again, like the reason I do it is because if, you know, as I referenced earlier, Stephen King's uh, Dark Tower series, like that spreads like it, The Shining. Um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Bag of Bones. Um, the Stand. Those are all connected to that dark tower universe uh hearts mm. in atlantis is another one. Oh, it is uh, salem's lot like yeah. that's another one like it's everything is connected somehow 
yeah with all the like all these things like it might be a tangential even um insomnia is one um you know where it's just like oh this guy had lunch with one of the characters in uh bag of bones like the guy has lunch with a one of the characters from insomnia who's battling creatures that are from like the dark tower universe and like you know the creature from it like it itself is part of this bigger thing like it's like the turtle that they talk about like is a huge part of the mythos surrounding this so it's it's really cool to have that stuff like and yeah. see how these things touch each other and like cross over with each other. So I I like that. I like a shared uni- universe that's not like shoved down your throat type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Like there are mentions, there are mentions to other ones of stories or stories we're planning to write next that we've already laid in there that it, it does not it does not um get in the way of the story it's not like shoved down your throat it'd be like you'll hear it and you're like oh oh wait a minute they mentioned that in in that and it's just because it's it's part of the narrative it's not and it's not being done these easter eggs are not being once again it's not oh we're so clever and we're we're tricking the audience no we're going to make it very clear that these are you know these are connected you know what I mean? And, yeah. and at, at some point they will start really crossing over with each other and they'll start you know being a little bit more of a shared universe. And I think that's kind of an interesting, you know, fun thing to do. And it's, it's fun for Oren and I as authors to, to do this and do it in a, in a very like, you know, just kind of fun way. You know what I mean? That's, that's not, um, we're not trying to pull the wool over, you know, everybody and like, Hey, look at how clever we are. It's just, this is something we want to do. You know what I mean? Because we feel it's an interesting universe to play in. And there's yeah. a lot of some different interesting types of stories we can tell that are going to, you know, be different ex- um, expressions of genre and expressions of sci-fi. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's things like if you take a look at, uh, you know, Game of Thrones, if you look at the, you know, the the history of what George R.R. R. Martin has written, mm-hmm. like you'll find a lot of recurring themes from other books that have nothing to do with Game of Thrones. Like they're they're sure. totally unrelated, but it's like as you're trying to unravel the riddles of what's going on, like as the shows were on and it's like, you know, well, we got a new season coming out. Like how are we going to address this plot line? Well, if you go back and look at some of his older work that he wrote 40 years ago and he did this, like, this is like a hive mind. He's got like four stories about hive minds and like, that's the weirwood network. So like, there's a lot of those, those stories aren't connected. They're not in the same world, Mm. but you're borrowing stuff that you've done in other works to inform what you're doing in for lack of a better term your magnum opus yeah yeah exactly and and, and, I, and I like that because it should you know look i all like you know and i'm guilty of this and as a lot of like people are of people you know encounter there's references to doctor who there there's you know references to you know all these things that i i love um but you know, those are sort of done more for me. You know what I mean? They they weren't like it wasn't like oh, can we? Sort of, it's, I even do a you know a, in the Blu-ray in the special edition Blu-ray I even do a thing about like the Easter eggs that are in there, and they're just meant because it, it's because I love the genre so much, and um, it's sort of like more of a love letter 
you know, kind of thing, as opposed yeah. to, you know, look at me sticking cool stuff in here and you're not going to notice it. It's like, that's not the purpose of it. And, and I like the idea that, you know, to be able to reference stuff that's going to pay off later, because that's why I enjoy writing, how I enjoy writing anyways and writing my screenplays amongst spread out over a bunch of different stories and, and novels um, instead of like just, oh, this is a Star Wars reference and this is a Star Trek reference. You know, let's reference, let's create our own world. Let's be inspired by that. Let's be inspired by that, but let's not, let's keep the references and the Easter eggs to like the barest of minimums, you know? Yeah, so you don't want yeah. people digging through like, oh, let's sift through every single word and you're not enjoying yeah. the story. You're looking for Yeah, it. exactly. Exactly, exactly. And it's not and I, I would like to keep it contained to the universe that Orin and I are creating, not you know, not other other people's works. You know what I mean? Like right. you know, be aware to have our own our own thing going. You know what I mean? And and for people to be pleasantly surprised by it and and not like have to watch tons of YouTube videos to explain, oh, this is connected and this is connected. It'll be obvious. You know what I mean? It'll, right. it'll be obvious. You know. It's like there was a uh, one of the guys that's in the new Cocaine Bear movie is the guy that, I don't know if you're familiar, but he does like the retail TikTok things. Oh, oh. And so he made a video like that and he's like, oh yeah, go see Cocaine. Like, you don't need to read some obscure comic from 1973 yeah. to understand yeah. the plot. It's a yeah. bear that finds a bunch of cocaine and eats yeah. it. Like, and it's great. I, I actually got to go to an early screening of it. Oh, uh, yeah, that's it, and it was oh, it's great. It's great. It's been on my list. I haven't I haven't had a chance to go anywhere. Uh, I mean, I love. Movies. I mean, that's the thing is like I think you yeah. know when people read the Silent Planet, they'll they'll definitely get like it's written by somebody who really you know Orin and I really care about the genre and you know and it, and it's it's an adventure. It's an adventure story. You know what I mean? It, it really is. It's an adventure story. That's why I bring up sort of the Jurassic Park aspect of it. But it's got a lot on its mind. And it's not It's not just, it's not surface level. You know what I mean? There, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on with the characters. There's nice some nice surprises. There's nice, you know, subverting of expectations. But not not to be clever. It's because this is what the story is about. It's, a, it's, right. it's the whole idea is that you don't, it's thematic, Don't. not yeah, self-service. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. I couldn't put it better. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I know we're uh, we're getting close on time, but you know, we definitely need folks that you know, I wanted to make sure that people understand how much depth there is to this story and your work in general. Thank you. Um, but it's not just this, like this is come this comes out March 6th. So the day that this episode drops is the day. So all the links and everything will be right. in the show notes, the description, awesome. you know, everything that you'll need to get caught up on Encounter and and check out, you know, all of your all of your graphic novels. You've also got a, a, another another thing coming out um called Hired Guns. Day. Yeah, Hired Guns so coming out. Tell us day. a little bit about that. I'm not as familiar with that one as I am, so that's why I want to kind of steer it yeah. towards the silent planet. But uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about uh, Hired Guns before we let you go. So um, Hired Guns actually started its life years ago as a, as a screenplay to a um, – that was going to be a spinoff of a pretty big like action franchise, but it, it just never happened. Um, so I took the story, removed all the elements that attached it to this um, – uh, film series and um, wrote my own screenplay 
um, that actually did quite well for me. I mean, like as far as like um, getting studio meetings, and then it got you know scooped up with Marcosia to do as a graphic novel. Um, and the hardcover edition came out um, earlier in the year in, in January, and now the the trade paperbacks uh, softcover edition comes out on. Um, on uh, Monday, on, on the sixth, or today, as you're listening to this, yeah, uh, and, and it's and it's an action. It's it's complete action. Like um, like so, the premise is like imagine if like um, someone like James Bond went rogue. You know, who would you send after him? So like our are this we've got this character that's sort of like this James Bondy kind of character that works for the government, and he has been put behind a desk because they feel he's you know some of his um, mistakes he made in regards to September 11th, uh, you know, things were his fault. So they put him behind a desk and he's been stewing and, you know, very upset about this. And uh, he winds up creating an international, he goes rogue and creates an international incident uh, to sort of like stir things up um, um, because he's not a good guy. (laughs) And uh, so they assemble this team uh, to to go after him. And uh, it's, it's made up of like, different types of people that, um, you know, knows this guy, you know, well enough to, you know, can be hopefully one step ahead of him. So it's pure like action, you know, like Mission Impossible type thing. And um, with this really interesting group of characters, one of them is actually his arch nemesis, like from, uh, you know, from the Cold War days. Um, So it's, it's this sort of ragtag team um and um yeah it's a lot of fun it's just crazy like mission impossible type action story yeah called hired hired guns and right. uh really proud of how that uh the graphic novel came out so, so we'll, uh, have, it, we'll have links to that as well yeah. great i'm gonna great. make sure we do that um yeah just thinking about what you're uh what you're saying you know talking about it's like you know who do you send after it made me think of uh the dark knight returns where you know superman's telling batman he's like listen you know it's not me. It'll be somebody else. And Batman's just like, really? Who do they send after you? Like, who's yeah. the next guy in line after Superman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's you know, it's sort of a, it's it's fun and it's like you know, like crazy action stuff that's going on. And uh, yeah, I'm, re- I'm really really proud of that as well. I mean, it's I mean, that's the great thing about being a writer is that you know, I'm known as a horror sci-fi guy. But I write a lot of thrillers and I write a lot of action stuff and I and I really care about every genre. I mean, like, I, I love drama movies. <laughs> I'm a huge drama fan, um, and uh, it, that's what's so fun. You know, it's when especially because I see pretty much everything. Um, you know that I try to bring a, a new take to to what I'm writing. I don't I don't want to repeat what's been done before. I want right. to look at stories from different perspectives and um, tell stories that are about interesting characters that you want to spend time with and, and about interesting themes. And um, because why do you want to do what's been done before? You know what I mean? Like I, I want to sort of carve my own path. And that's why, you know, with, with Hired Guns and with, of course, Silent Planet and working with Oren, you know, really can feel like I can express myself um, as a, a storyteller you know and um and i love the fact that this you know silent planet also takes place in the discord universe which is my graphic novel series discord and tales of discord and um you know that they might factor in at some point to this universe that orin and i are creating right now which is very exciting i like it there you go 
There you go. Cool. And continue as I'm continuing to write. I'm continuing. I'm also working on films. I've been up to direct a number of things. Obviously, the uh, pandemic's been you know screwing stuff up sometimes. But you know, I'm still work. You know, still um, uh, have some um, directorial stuff like on the you know hopefully coming up and some screenplay stuff coming up and as well as other graphic novels and, and novels uh, down the road. So it's just, for me, it's just about being a creative and, and sharing stories. Awesome. That's what we love. So um, I'm going to let you go. Uh, no, just okay. hang on for a second after we end recording. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this has been great. Uh, always good having you on, always good chatting with you. Uh, we definitely should do it little more uh a little more often than every 48 episodes but uh <laughs> but i'm always happy to support you your stuff is really good uh you're a good guy and uh you know i love i love having you on and love talking sci-fi and you know just the process of writing with you yeah it's fun it's fun so we're going to take a quick break and uh when we come back i'll let you know what's coming up for the future and uh yeah we'll be right back Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. I'm Matthew. I'm Jason. I'm Matteo. And we're Majama. The creators of Bad CGI Sharks. And you're listening to the Shark Bites Podcast. You heard him? Slow ahead. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and chump some of this shit. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was another great conversation with Paul Salamoff. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Saturn Award winning uh, filmmaker and author Paul Salamoff. Uh, do yourself a favor. Check out Encounter. Uh, I own the Blu-ray. You can get the Blu-ray. Help support uh, these independent artists. You know, definitely uh, pick up the book. I'm going to have tons of links and everything in the show notes description. So, Please make sure you're you're supporting uh, these folks. And, um, you know, I don't have a whole lot. I have a few things that uh, are potentially coming down the pipeline. Uh, there was an interview I was supposed to do, but I have not. Uh, I've been playing email tag with uh, the representation folks, so I have to uh, reach out again. I may just reach out to the person, um, you know, myself. But there's a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe. And, uh, you know, definitely we want to hear from you. If you have something you want me to cover, you know, on Shark Bites, I cover everything. It doesn't matter what it is. So definitely reach out to me. Um, 
you can find me at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Uh, the Facebook page, uh, failing that, you can reach me through Throwdown Thursday. Um, you know, check us out. Um, we got a lot of good stuff out here. Uh, so with that being said, I just want to uh, bring something that was brought to my attention, something really cool uh, for my shark fact of this week. Um, this is, uh, I just found out, there's another movie in the 47 Meters Down-verse, if that's a thing. Uh, so we had 47 Meters Down, and then we had 47 Meters Down on Cage. This is a new one. Um, it is, uh, hold on, let me pull it up. It is called uh, No Way Up with Cole Meany and Phyllis Logan uh, from the executive producers of the 47 Meters Down series. Uh, it has not been released yet, but this is... Uh, an article by Dead by Dawn, Australian Horror Film News. Uh, it is about uh, No Way Up is a high concept. I hate that term. Combination of disaster movie and survival survivor survival thriller. Sorry, this broken tooth does not help me pronounce things. No Way Up is a high concept com combination of disaster movie and survival thriller as characters from very different backgrounds are thrown together when the plane they're traveling on crashes in the Pacific Ocean. The stricken airliner comes to rest perilously close to the edge of a bottomless ravine with the surviving passengers and crew trapped in an air pocket. With their air supply rapidly running out, a nightmare fight for survival ensues as danger from all sides hone in on them. So the poster is awesome. Uh, check it out. It's called No Way Up. Uh, take a look, see what you think. Uh, I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, directed by Claudio Fan, I think it's. I can't tell the uh, the poster has this person's name, but it's like super tiny. I don't know why, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this. So that's my shark fact. Another new shark movie. Uh, and speaking of which, August fourth, The Meg Two comes out. Um, I'm excited for that. There'll definitely be a show on that. I'm gonna see if I can get Steve Alton on. That would be amazing. But uh, just remember that uh, as the podcaster. Uh, I totally forget how I end these things. I am the podcaster, but as my listener, you are my chum. That's how we do it. Thank you very much. Uh, and check out all of Paul Salamoff's work, uh, as well as Owen Nichols. Uh, again, links to everything in the, in the show notes and description. Have a great week, folks.